So welcome to Cross Training, where we look at faith and practice through a biblical lens. I'm Tanner Higgins. I'm Matthew Thompson. I'm Mason Simmons. Flawless intro. All right. (laughs) Let's not not ruin this momentum we have. So last week, where where did we leave off last week at the end of of John chapter 6? John chapter 6. A mouthful of things. Yeah, we won't uh, sit on it too long since, well, we already did one of our longer episodes on that uh, chapter already. But let's just look at verse 66. It's a pretty good summary of the ending of that chapter. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus, after doing some controversial stuff in front of the the Jewish leadership, uh, there was that ironic unironic come to jesus moment mm. for for the people around him who's like so are you are you going to come with me or not like there's that uh, make or break moment so there there's the point that i'm trying to make is there's a bit of a negative mood like things have kind of uh, turned down emotionally it seems but most people decided not to yeah. come to jesus moment exactly and i mean that's it's a very sobering moment in uh, Jesus' ministry. I mean, obviously, Jesus, he sees this stuff coming, but, I mean, it's no less heartbreaking. So that's that's the kind of mood that we're taking into the beginning of John chapter 7 because verse uh, 1 says, after this, indicating that this, this is coming pretty fresh after the events of chapter 6. Uh, and I'll read through, let's say, verse 13, and then we can uh, begin our discussions. Uh, but John chapter 7, verse 1 says, After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, Where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, He is a good man. Others said, No, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. So, that's a pretty decent block here, but we've uh, got some notes set up for that section of verses 1 through 13. So, let's let's rewind a bit and take this uh, from the beginning. So, one thing that I want to point out quickly, and I, I don't mean to monopolize talking time here. Uh, verse 1, one thing that, that I noticed kind of in a reread through, initially when reading verse 1, where it says he would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Like that just kind of that hopped off the page to me in a way that I was like, oh, that's an interesting way to word it. Like he's he's a, a he's avoiding conflict. Is Jesus like drawing a map out of like, okay, this area is off limits. This area is off limits. This area is off limits. Just the, the kind of mentality that, that put me in made me think, you know, I feel like I shouldn't be thinking that way. So let's let's look uh, read a little farther into the verse. I mean, honestly, it's. It's obvious if you think about it more than two seconds, just these casual mentions of Jesus being fully aware of the plan. Jesus knows when what needs to happen needs to mm-hmm. happen, and he's not going to put himself in a position that jeopardizes that plan. So it's just, I guess what I'm saying is I, I appreciate this very subtle nod to to his omniscience. So, But I, I won't uh, clog up the airwaves of my voice anymore. I'll, I'll let other opinions of this scripture be known. One of the things that pointed out to me is that uh, the festival, which you, you're, I can't remember what translation were you reading? Uh, I'm off of CSV, I believe, the Christian Standard Version, and 
it said Feast of Booths. Okay. So it's something different for uh, you. Well, mine is the Festival of Shelters. Oh. And so this uh, festival, just for uh, posterity's sake and to kind of know a little bit about history, but this Jewish festival is celebrated every year. And uh, when we were actually in Israel, they were actually about to start this festival. And this festival is a continuation of things that they do. And what it is is they set up tents like little like tents around their house or near the house, like on their balcony or whatever. And they probably did the same thing here if set up shelters or booths or whatever. And what it is 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 a reminder that when they were in the wilderness, the Jews would set up tents. And it's a reminder that God was faithful to them even in the midst of the wilderness. And so I was kind of curious. I was thinking, I wonder if these people, as Jesus is kind of going through Judea and going through Jerusalem, which he's in uh, Jerusalem, uh, going to Jerusalem here in a second. Do you think that Jesus, looking at these booths and looking at these tents, that he's probably thinking, do they even know why they put this up? Do they remember that I'm faithful to them, but yet here they are? And and in verse uh, right here, it says that Jesus' brothers basically had disbelief of Jesus and disgust about him, his own brothers. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, it makes mention of the of his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. There's his four brothers. And they had kind of like a disdain against Christ and kind of challenged him and said, you know, the poor advice of, it showed that they misunderstood Jesus' messianic identity. And so I'm wondering as Jesus is going through Jerusalem and going through and seeing these things, seeing these tents all over, all over the countryside and all over Jerusalem. And he's reminded, it's like, I was faithful to you, but even my own brothers, they don't even understand why I'm here. They don't even see this. What verse is that anyways when when the, his brothers gave poor advice? First off, I want to go ahead and correct myself. I'm not reading out CSV. I'm actually reading out of ESV. So oh, ESV. if any, anyone out there, if you're reading along in an ESV... I was about to say, because mine, mine is CSV, and I, yeah. it's like... <laughs> Yeah, I, I lose track of which one I'm on all the time. But, um, but yeah, verses 3 through 5 is where they uh, kind of tempt him. And it, it reminded me of like when Satan tries to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. Because it's like a direct challenge to, to Jesus saying, hey, do do some... If you're real, then go out there and do some stuff. It's time to hit the big league, son. Uh, verse 4 is um, in the Living Bible Translation, when I was doing some study and looking through some other uh, versions of the Bible and the scripture, see how it read. Uh, verse 4 reads in the Living Bible Translation, you can't be famous when you hide like this. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, contemporary Well, that's a jeer towards aside, Jesus by like, his brothers, yeah. but yet... <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, I know reading the Bible in such contemporary English can kind of be jarring at times, but I do think that that captures the mood really well because they're they're basically like telling like, dude, this is your opportunity to like hit the big leagues. Like, yeah. come on, let get out there, be famous. This this is more misinterpretation of the kind of king that Jesus uh, is going to be, which I mean, we've already encountered that yeah. issue already, and it will continue to be an issue. Which I mean, I, it, and I, you see the correlation that Jesus is the groom. Constantly, he he is within a spiritual context that he is the groom coming for his bride, and it seems like you know the covenant that God made with Israel is kind of like that initial marriage, you know, that God married people tried to redeem the world, but what happened is that the bride, whoever the the people of Israel were, wasn't very faithful. 
that they broke that covenant how many times? Yet they, just like the, the, the Jewish religious leaders of that time, they love the, the concept of marriage. They love the tradition of religion, but yet their actual faithfulness to God, the one that is actually faithful to them. And here Jesus is. I can see this whole conversation of Jesus basically going to marriage counseling uh, and trying to be like, look, here's the proof and the evidence that I am faithful. And so I'm going to ask you guys this. His brothers, his own brothers came from the womb of his mother. You know, I mean, basically his half brothers. Who do they think he was? Because obviously it sounds like this is either advice or disdain. But which one is it, and who do you think that his brothers thought Jesus was? Do we have evidence that they've been around him so far in his ministry, or is this a first appearance? I mean, it's their first appearance in the book of John, but I don't Because assuming that this is... Personally, I'm... My assumption that I'm bringing to the table is that this is their first time seeing him after he began his ministry. And I doubt, I think that there's a good reason to doubt that Jesus was pulling miracles prior to ministry, especially since his first miracle was titled his first miracle in the book of John. So I guess you can make the argument that they haven't seen any of these works and they're they're kind of playing Jesus up as, hey, not to overuse terms, but hey, court jester, do a trick for us. I wonder, this is kind of spurring back to Joseph and his brothers. Do you think, which you don't know much about the time he was 13 to when he was 33 starting his ministry or 30 or however old he was. Do you think it was kind of almost like a Joseph and his brothers situation of like, do you think that Mary favored Christ because he was the Messiah in a sense of like, he? I'm sure they loved you know, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. But yet, do you think that sometimes they're, do you think this is kind of a conversation of like a little bit of like, well, you're just the favorite son because you're the son of God. You know, mom always said you're the son of God. So, I mean, how special are you? Do you think it's kind of that or do you think it's something different? Because we see that James does believe in the end because, I mean, he writes the book of James after Hebrews. So, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a, a shift there, but yet do you think there might be some jealousy I mean, I would say there has to be at some point because, I mean, me with a younger brother, I mean, there's always kind of like that brotherly rival, you know, that brotherly love, you know, always arguing or fighting over something. And, of course, if there's ever an argument, what are you going to do, especially when you're a young, dumb teenager? You're going to bring up that little edge that you might have on somebody. Oh, like, oh, I'm the one who's doing right. And, I mean, not to say that Jesus ever done that, but, I mean, the other ones, you would think that they would be like, Oh yeah, but Jesus is going to get to because he's the son of like he's the son of God, and of course, like you know, when they're ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, you know, however old, they don't fully understand what that means. But Mary definitely knows, Joseph knows. So I mean, they've heard it before, but you know, what does it really mean to them? I don't know. So I mean, for them to always say that about Jesus, and then they're just like, oh, what are we? You know, are we? Yeah, you say you love us, and mm-hmm. I mean, you might try to treat us fair, but. You call him the son of God, what do you call us? Yeah, you know? and I, I, I would say that they probably didn't believe that he was the son of God. Yeah, I mean, it makes it clear in verse 5, for not even his brothers believed in him. So I guess I guess if I try to put myself in the the brother's shoes, I can sort of see like the, the mindset that that's coming from there. Because, I mean, imagine 
being raised with that with that understanding. For one, there's no guarantee that they took the claim seriously. Mm-hmm. Just I mean, it's just their their mom and dad's word against their own opinions there. Because again, I'm going to assume that Jesus wasn't like showing off prior to his ministry, being like, "Hey, hey, bro, check out this this cool miracle I can do. You see this water? Yeah, that's wine. That's wine. You see that? You see that? I don't think he was doing that. And I could see maybe like if. Uh, Mary or Joseph were ever showing like um, obvious favoritism, maybe Jesus would set them straight. I mean, you don't don't know that. I, I don't know how how hard he went on on his parents for being not perfect beings. I mean, it's kind of a high standard when we're talking about Jesus here. So we can't, I mean, we can't speak for his childhood. We, we don't know, but I could see the possibility of why there might be some animosity brewing uh, between his brothers. Being like, oh, okay, Jesus, you're we we heard your ministry started, or mm-hmm. are you over? We heard you walked on water. Mary Mary said you probably could at some point. Dad said you could turn water into wine. What? How about how about you do something here? How about you do something do do something cool? Come on. Which that goes back to like the the agnostic, uh, not the agnostic, but the gnostic gospels. Of, uh, One letter Saint, off. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, of Saint of, of Thomas, and this has widely been spread as this is just not. This is not good doctrine. This is actually, a, I think some scholars say that this is actually satire when it was written. Uh, but yet the Gospel of Thomas it has a story of Jesus when he was a kid. has a couple of instances, instances where Jesus got some uh, mud and made a bird and breathed life into this bird. And, a, and it flew off into his hands. And there's another instance, I think, that... He made a sand castle or made some kind of like sand moat or something like that. And another kid, his age, came and knocked over the sand castle and he killed the kid. <laughs> he cursed him. <laughs> and the kid, like, I can't remember. I can't remember if he turned to dust or something like that. But he just, it just did, did it like that. But yet, I think some, most scholars say that that is satire to make fun of Christianity when it was written. Because it was written like 100, 200, 300 years after. So it's not a sin to laugh at that. <laughs> no, it's not. But yet, I mean, most people say it's not. It's it's not canonical at all. But it's just it's just interesting. It's like, well, I think that the his his uh, miracles started after his baptism. I think the recording the the recorded stuff that we have. I don't think he did anything uh, miraculous in his childhood. I think that was spent in time of learning the scriptures. Because I mean, that's all he does. He quotes scripture all the time. Yeah, I don't think it would be crazy to hypothesize that it would be against his character to perform miracles outside of his ministry. Yeah. Cause I mean, how, how would that be benefit beneficial to his plan? No, I mean, it wouldn't whatsoever. be that I can tell at least to continue the discussion. Uh, verse six, uh, an interesting concept came to mind when, I, when I got to that verse where Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. Because I had to think about that for a moment. Because, I mean, obviously, like, I, I get what Jesus is saying when his time has not yet come. Like, he's he's not going to perform these extremely obvious, like, he's, he's going to avoid extreme fame right now. Because that's going to accelerate um, the plan. And it doesn't need to be accelerated right now. Everything has to be done according to plan. Simple as that. But what does that mean um, when he says, your time is always here? Well, what does it mean by that? And I was sitting there thinking, well... Okay, let, let's let's look at this at face value. See, let's see what I can get out of that. My first reaction to "but your time is always here" is, well, they're not they're not him, so they have the freedom to promote God's will, promote God's kingdom more specifically, 
and there's not this possibility of them being seen being seen as a new claimed messiah and therefore them like dying like that that that's just not the case for them they're not out here turning water into wine they're not out here um well, Jesus hasn't raised the dead yet, but that's coming. Uh, they're not out here performing miracles, and there's no like probable cause for like the the Jewish leaders to be like, oh, that that's the guy. Let's get them. That they're safe. Air quotes uh, on that word. Safe. It's it's safe for them to to promote God's kingdom. If that makes sense. They they have a a privilege. Air quotes again. That Jesus doesn't have. In that, if Jesus starts doing lots of works right now, he could get he could get in trouble that he doesn't need to be getting in yet. Does that make sense? So I think he's trying to say like they could be acting like John the Baptist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah, because if they go out and start preaching the gospel of Jesus, I mean, John, we already know John's already doing this, and Jesus. If you look in other words, like, or if you look in the other verses, the world cannot hate you because it hates me. I testify that it works or, or of evil. Like they're not the one going out saying, "Oh, you're wrong." I think he's trying to go out there and tell them, "Hey." You know, point them, point the world, everyone that you come out to, you know, back to me, back to the Father. And at that point, they're not the ones, like you said, doing all the miracles. They're not the ones, you know, what the Jewish or the Pharisees would have said. They're condemning people. You know, they're just out there doing what a Christ-like person should be doing. You know, just going out and preaching God the Father's gospel. Another observation that I made uh, in verse 10, where it says, But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. I was reading some criticisms of Scripture by like non-believers, and there's one argument brought up on that uh, verse that Jesus lied. Like he, he said he wasn't going to go, but then he went. But if you ask me, I mean, that's debunked within that same verse because it even specifies not publicly, but in private. He's the reason that he's not attending, so to speak, is because it's not time for him to be like outed because mm -hmm. at this moment, the Jewish authorities are seeking to capture him. So he doesn't need to put himself in a stupid situation that could ruin the plan. Mm -hmm. I mean, simple as that. The, 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 the plan, God, God's plan to, to redeem humankind is front and center right now. Like that's priority number one. Um, so he doesn't need to ruin that. But going in private, significantly different than that. Yeah, and I mean, the argument for him saying he's lying, at least in my version that I'm reading, and y'all can double-check this, verse 8, he says, you go up to the feast, I am not yet going. He doesn't say he's not going. He's just like, I'm not going right now. Yeah. So. In the ESV, it says, um, I'm not going up to the feast, but it does say, for my time has not yet fully come. So there's still a yet thrown in there, just mm -hmm. in a different uh, yeah. area. But yeah, I mean, I, the verse itself kind of debunks that that argument, but I figured I'd throw that criticism out there since I read it. And I was like, huh, people people talk about that verse? Like, it, it just seems like a weird verse for, for people to pick apart and be like, see, Jesus lied. There's a contradiction in the Bible. It's like, that, that's a bit of a stretch, bud. And so when the when the when the feast when it's when it's time for him to come, you know, he comes a little bit later, and we we've come to the conclusion that you know, Jesus isn't ready to die. He's still got some things to do, and so Jesus isn't stupid. He knows what he's doing, and so even at a very young age, at the age of thirteen, you know, he was well versed into you know scriptural things. He was he was talking about uh, doctrinal and theological things that most people wouldn't even understand. And uh, so here he is again in verse, I'm going to read verse 16 and 17. It says, Jesus answered them, my teaching 
Well, let's go back. Verse 15 says, Then the Jews were amazed and said, How is this man so learned? How is he so educated since he hasn't been trained? You know, so, I mean, he's a carpenter's son. He don't have enough money to go study underneath Gamaliel, you know, the greatest mind of Jewish Pharisees and Sadducees. He don't have enough money to do that. Jesus answered them. He says, My teaching isn't mine, but it is from the one who sent me. If anyone wants to be his will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am asking on my own. And so Jesus, he says, you know, I may not be formally educated. And this goes to the thing that I know there's some denominations that says to be a preacher, to be a pastor, you have to have like a doctorate. You have to have education. But the disciples were fishermen and tax collectors. I think this kind of refutes that statement. In that belief right out, which I think it's, I think it's good to have education. Don't get me wrong. I think it's good to be learned in this. Cause I mean, Jesus, I would say that he was in the synagogue at a young age trying to learn as much as he can. And I mean, this is one reason why he was able to spit out scripture to Satan to rebuke him because he studied the scriptures. He's human. He had to study. <laughs> you know I mean, you can't, we can't deny that even though he is the son of God. I don't think that once he turned 13 or when he was baptized, it was an automatic download of beep, 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 beep. God emplaced that, all the scriptures in it, because he does quote, but yet he doesn't. Do you all agree with me or disagree with that? I'm not saying he didn't study, but I mean, God, he's all knowing, so no, I don't think he had to at all. I, but he's still human. But I though. think he, well, yeah, I mean, he's still human. Yeah. I mean, he still eats and sleeps and poops and does all that great <laughs> stuff, but I mean, to say he has to study, then you're saying he's not all knowing. I think oh, no, no, hold I'm on. just saying I'm saying he did because he is human. I yeah. mean I feel like an argument could be made that yes, he studied, but he studied as an act of worship. Yes. Okay. And that's I don't think I it was necessary it. for the knowledge gathering. But Luke two fifty two says that Christ grew in spirit and knowledge and wisdom and grew in favor with man and God. Also says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. Hold up, hold up, hold up. That's a different that, that's a different context. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word does not mean technically tangible words of leading That's the not scripture. the argument I'm making. I'm oh. saying like that Jesus, Jesus is part of the Trinity. Yes. Like, are we going to sit here and say well, that he's... Okay, this is a discussion. Okay. <laughs> here we go, boys. The, right, here we go. the limitations <laughs> that God is putting on himself by coming to earth in the form of of Jesus yes. is that okay he can now die he can okay. be hurt he can he, he can, can feel, feel things yes. yeah it doesn't mean that he allowed himself to be stupid <laughs> well do you think he came out of the womb on Christmas day or whenever it happened he's like yo I know everything he could have he could have but, but it, I don't think he but did but it would have sped up the plan if there's this random baby out here spouting out scripture true that's why he studied as an act of worship and also to make it clear that he's putting in this work so there's some there's plausibility to him so people so let me, can see okay. this person and relate let, to let me rephrase it then i think that he studied the scriptures to memorize them i wouldn't even go that far really no. because you have to think imagine if like I mean, it's his word. That, would he not enjoy reading his own words? I mean, I mean, maybe for the enjoyment. And and I mean, like I said, he is human. So I mean, what what did humans do in that time? I mean, they didn't have video games or TVs or you know all these great things like that we have now. Like, what did they do? They studied scripture, knowledge, and stuff. So I mean, what did he do for fun? I mean, studied scripture. Probably. Yeah, and the passage we're reading right now feeds into this concept that like Jesus more or less has to operate undercover in a way. Like, yes, he is the son of God, and he doesn't lie about that, clearly. But he does have to be 
undercover to an extent. If he was starting off at like age 10, just having everything memorized and just spouting it off like nobody's business. If he was starting that at age five, insert any age here that isn't like a reasonable time after studying it for a long time. People are going to be like, hold up. What's this? This, th- what? What? And then everything would have been changed and went down yeah. totally different. I mean, Jesus so, wasn't. So, so, when did he gain the knowledge that he was going to do all the things and he memorized all these things? Do you think that he actually opened up the Torah? Because he does do that. He opens up the scripture and preaches from Isaiah 53 and, and he says, this, is, this speaks of me. So, when did he come to the conclusion of, like, okay, this is of, of me? Do you think he knew that at five years old? I don't think it would be ridiculous to say he did, but I can't speak for. If there was an age that like he chose to flip the switch, I don't know if there's a switch to flip. Yeah, because here's my here's my thing with that. If you try to put an age number on this, you try to say he's not God. You try to say, oh, he was only human up until age thirty. Well, I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. I'm well, just well, saying I know, that he's but also that, human that, as well. That's the argument that comes forth though, is because you, you try to say he had to study. Well, if God has to study His own Word, He don't know it. He didn't. I mean, yeah, he preached from his own thing because I mean, it's his word. I mean, why not have it out there to read? I mean, it's. I mean, it's basically a prop because he knows it. He's spoke it. Here's here's something that comes to mind. I don't think that it's crazy to to infer that out of the womb Jesus already knew everything and had the perfect capability to walk, run, jump, not pee his diaper or anything like that, but. If he did decide to be this perfect baby that could walk, talk, help around the house, not not mess his britches or anything like that, that would give even more reason for in the future people to go, oh, Mary was special because she was the one mother that didn't have to put up with the things that you put up with when you have a child because Jesus decided to uh, absolve her of those responsibilities. So clearly there is some holiness to Mary. Clearly there is some holiness to, to Joseph because he is the one person that ever lived that had a, had a perfect child that didn't do anything bad to him. And there's some specialness in that Jesus, he didn't want to put himself in positions that would allow other people to be mistaken for being worshipable. You know what I mean? That's a stretch to me. I don't think it is. I, I, I think it is. Really? I'm getting shakes from both heads. No, nice I'm, I'm with you. Oh, you are? Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> you are teaming up with me again. So y'all entitled to be wrong this is again. Why we sit on, this is why we sit on the same side of the table now, huh? <laughs> well, Tanner, give, give me your argument. What do, you, what do you think? So I think that Jesus, I, th- I think then we are eliminating the humanity part of him then. I think then that we are taking away part of, his, of him being human. Because then if, yes, he is omniscient and he is all-knowing, but yet... His do you, do, does that mean he's not fully human? Then if he is completely omniscient to the point of a certain age, which I'm not putting the age limit on it whatsoever, because I think there might have been a time where I think that he had to know the scriptures. After reading the scriptures, I think that the Lord, I think God the Father revealed to him in a sense of like, okay, this is your purpose. Because right here it says that Jesus answered them, My teaching isn't mine, but it is from the one who sent me. If anyone wants to be his will, he will know whether the teaching uh, is from God or whether I am speaking on my own. So what's the teaching exactly? Is the teaching from him? Is it the scriptures? Because if he speaks of himself, which is of the Old Testament, through John, through you know Isaiah 53, speaks of Christ, I think that God revealed himself in a way through flesh, but yet Jesus had... And this is, I think this is hot wired into Christ himself. I think there's, it's a hot wiring in the sense of like, 
God was communing with him through scripture with Christ. So I think while Christ was, I think I agree with you that there was like a type of relationship, a worship with God, the father through him reading the scriptures. And through that, he was getting his mission. I don't think, I don't think he came out of the womb and I don't think that he was completely um, aware of the things as a, as a baby. I think there's a time that he, he read like an age that, I'm not saying that there's a certain age. I'm just saying that he there was a time that it was revealed. It's like, okay, this is my purpose. Because you think at five years old, do you think he's playing with Santa Cantles? Like, oh, I'm going to die one day. He was obedient to the will of the I Father. Th- I don't think it would be crazy to say that, that that is the case, that he was aware of that from like age five. I'm not saying it's is- impossible. I just think that it's, it's, to me, it's the most probable possibility. I think a good way to look at it is when you look at, uh, like, because I think the argument that's trying to be made here is, like, did his brain start at zero? Well, it, 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 his brain started at conception. Well, I mean, like, in terms of, like, <laughs> having knowledge, um, like, you gotta be careful things. With that term. Like, ha- what do you mean? Conception? Well, not in this, I'm, I'm, ta- okay. I'm talking, like, a pro-life aspect of, like, He's being conceived in the womb in the sense of, like, you know, life starts before birth. I'm, that's what I'm referring okay. to. I'm just thinking. Oh, anyway, okay. like, I'm, I'm saying, like, as you go through life, like, you learn, you, you fill your brain up with ideas because, I mean, the, the brain is basically a plastic bag that you fill with watery knowledge, and that's science. But anyway, like, implying that when you come out of the womb, you start at zero because you don't know anything. You're, you're a baby. I mean, the first several years of raising a child, Tanner, I'm sure you can attest to this, is keeping your child from killing themselves. Like, you start at zero, and does anyone ever hit 100? Well, the world may never know. But the point being, you start at zero. So I think the argument that you're trying to make here, Tanner, is that Jesus did indeed, since he is 100% man, 100% God, did start at zero. And I think there is room to say yes to that while still agreeing with, like, the page that Mason and I are on. Because I think understanding the scriptures and understanding his place in the world in relation to God's plan is more of a spirit thing. Like, I think that's something that is just built into him. Know what I mean? Like, well, I, agree, that I, I would agree with that. I'm not, yeah. I so was, he would know the scriptures already. He wouldn't have to study them, but chose to well, as an here, act of worship. Th- then let me just read you this. Luke 2, 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So he increased. He I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> but look to how me, it says proof. with man, though. No, okay. Okay. I think you're also trying to tie in fleshly things with spiritual things. Well, because they're 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 combined with each other. God is flesh and God is spirit. And we are triune beings. We are flesh, we are spirit, and we're soul. You can't have one without the other. I know that, but you're, from arguments that you've made in other times, and you can cut this out because the arguments were off air, so they make no sense. But oh, this is going in, son. Oh, I know, but but what I'm about to bring up is not on, like they didn't hear this. What you brought up earlier when God walked with Adam, when you try to say God's not flesh, well, yes, I mean the three are one, but they're yet separate. You're you made that point, but now you're trying to say, oh no, they're the same thing. Hold hold on hold on hold on, the Trinity which is a hard thing to describe anyways. Jesus is triune here on right here in scripture. God is triune up in heaven. The spirit is triune in every aspect. There is no you have one, you dismiss the other. 
I'm saying here, the only thing I'm saying, I'm not dismissing the Trinity whatsoever. I'm just saying that one is described differently than the other. Each one has their own parts. Jesus has his own part, just like God the Father and like the Holy Spirit. I'm saying here that Jesus is 100% man. So if he's 100% man, then he has every limitation as a man would have. Acne. He probably got sore after a hard day's work. He started from zero. He grew in wisdom. And so if he increased in wisdom, then what does that even mean? If he just started it, if he didn't start at zero and started 100 miles an hour right out of the womb, came out of the gate and said, I know my purpose. Could you reread that verse? And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. I mean, couldn't that be seen as him being, like growing in wisdom? Like it's saying that he grew in wisdom in he relation grew. to his people. Like people, people saw like this is people's perception of him. Could that, could that argument? Yeah, be made? I mean, yeah, like people, like I mean, he could know a hundred but not tell it. I mean, so just saying, like. I mean, people are, are seeing the things he's doing, the things that he's saying, be like, oh, man, that's, he's, he's wise. He, he's wise. He's growing in, in stature. I mean, that, it goes along with that to in me, the same verse. If you're, say, if you're saying that, then you're, no, I think he's, he's explaining four different things. He's, he's, he's explaining increasing in wisdom. Okay. That's in the mind, in the heart, or whatever you want to say. In but stature. But not the spirit. It, potato, potato. No, that, that's no, hold not on, potato. No, hold on, hold on. Okay. I'm I'm saying no. He has the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. I'm saying that he learned. He had to. He had to learn the Scriptures, and the Spirit guided him. He increased in wisdom, and in stature. Those two different things. Those are soul, spirit, mind, whatever, versus the flesh, versus the 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 physical part. I mean, is it not possible for him to grow in wisdom, like in in terms of him being a person, but like that yeah. not being related to Scriptures. I mean that could be like, just him just and in wisdom as a person. How else are you going to do? I mean, how how else are you going to grow in wisdom and and as a as a since you are a spiritual being as well as a physical being? How else are you going to grow in wisdom by the things of man? No. God is wise, and God is. I mean, the Scripture is what brings true wisdom. People are going to consider someone wise if they learn. Period. Learning is not exclusive to Scripture. Okay. So Jesus very well could have been learning things that weren't strictly scripturally related. So how do you how do you how do you uh, conclude with the second part of that? In favor with God and man. So if he grew in wisdom and stature, does that grow in the sense of being in favor with God and man? So if to grow in favor with God, with the Father, to him be well pleased to follow the will of the Father. Well, Jesus had Jesus had to understand that he had to be in complete submissive will to God, even in the garden. He said, "You know, if it's your will be done, you know, I would like this cup to pass for me, but if it's your will, thy will be done." So here, I mean, it's God's will for Christ to be completely aligned with the Father, even though it may be hard. He said, "I'm going to agree with you 100%. I want to follow what your path." That's what us we need to do as Christians as well, is that we need to follow the will of God. And that we need to grow in wisdom and stature, but how are we going to be completely wise by following what he says? And so I think that Christ, and I think this, this is one reason I think that he, he had to read the scriptures to understand uh, fully in the sense of, okay, this is the will of the Father, I'm, I'm going to pursue it. And this is why that he was so adverse, that this is one reason why, and he says, you know, they thought that he was so learned, he says he's so educated, because he poured over the scriptures because he knew the will of the Father. 
by the the, the, the scriptures that he read. Because even then, when he when he uh, backslash Satan and he quotes scripture, he's not quoting verbatim, just like any preacher wouldn't quote. Sometimes don't quote quote verbatim because you know we. I don't remember all verses in the world, and so he uses kind of like a paraphrases. Paraphrases, yeah. So I mean, he's not quoting it verbatim of what the Old Testament says. I'm not sure the argument that you're trying to make with that statement, if I'm being honest. Which part? Like just that that last part like with just him, like the moral scripture, the... because we've I mean we've already discussed that. Because main... to me that show that shows proof that Jesus had to read scriptures and then Jesus being human probably. Forgot? No, not forgot, but paraphrased, <laughs> paraphrased what is written to get the point across further. Well, I mean, I don't disagree with that, but I don't think that that flies in the face of the argument that I've been making. Like, I mean, to to take it back to your to your Luke scripture of like how how could it be possible that he's growing in stature with with God and man if we're not, if he's not learning things like scripturally? I mean, I would take it back to you can learn things that aren't scripture and that can please God as well. I mean, if that's the case, then every Christian from now to the end of the world needs to stop sending their kid to school. Like, you just need to read the Bible, and like, that's it. No, you need. So, do you mean that Christ didn't open up the Torah whatsoever? No, we never said that. Right? I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's like he that... didn't have to, but he did out of worship. That is an act of worship to enjoy and imbibe yourself in, in God's word. Because like we said, the, like there was not other many things to do for entertainment. And I mean, what is he? He's the son of God, another form of God. So what is he going to do? Read scriptures about him. I mean, scriptures written because of him. And, and here's another thing I don't like. Here's why I really don't like that argument. Because when you try to bring up, yes, we agree he's 100% man, 100% God. But the point you're bringing up brings up that the man side of him is almost to be worshipped more than the God side because we don't worship Jesus the man. How, how do you see that? I'm but, because you say because when you say Jesus had to study, you say oh like no 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 I didn't say he had to study is that he wanted to study because no 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 no, no, no. you you've been if saying I said he's if had I to. said that if I said that then no I'm saying that he wanted to study because he understood the will of the Father and loved the Father because he is. The whole argument that we've had is because you keep saying he's had to study. That's the only argument that we've no, had with you. No, the reason. No. <laughs> yes, I promise you. That's the only argument that we've had with you is because you've said he's had to study. That's the only argument that we're the that we're making. That is the entire argument for us is that yeah. is that you say he has to study. That's our only argument. Like he had to read scriptures growing up to learn the scriptures, and the argument that we've been making this whole time is. That was stuff that he he had inherently. Then this whole him. conversation is null and void because the, what are we talking the, about? Exactly, all of his bull crap. <laughs> no. Ten. Yes, I promise no. You. you. No. Yes. It's the same thing with like you know. <laughs> I can't believe this. We've spent thirty minutes on this, and it's just because he didn't know what he was saying. No, I know what I'm saying. You just didn't understand me. No. Hold up. No, Jesus. I prom- no, I All promise right. you. We Technical can pause and go back. Wait a second. Pause and go back because I promise you that's the only argument that we have with you is because you keep okay. saying you've had. Fine. Fine.
But here's here's another thing I want to say about the man part, though. Whoa, 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 wait. Before, before we start, i got, I got to make sure it's established what just happened. Mm-hmm. So, full disclosure, audience, uh, we had to turn the recording off so we could yell at each other with <laughs> absolute disregard for the, the microphones because we, we got Disrespectful. But we, we came to some conclusions. We are revisiting the argument. We're going to resolve this on air. So, Mason has something to say now. Yeah, so I started off about, like, the man and the God of Jesus. And so, the reason I don't like... How we bring up the idea of him not knowing because we say when he had to learn and that brings up the man of Jesus and 100% we, we agree that he is man he felt things he felt pain he had to die I mean he was born I mean you, you name it things that humans go through Jesus went through it but I think when it comes to the knowledge it brings up the God side in him and here's why I say that because if you say that Jesus had to learn he didn't know the will of the Father if you say Jesus didn't know these things you say that really all these other false religions that say all this this man Buddha unlocked the knowledge Muhammad unlocked the knowledge you put Jesus in that category as well I feel like now you might disagree with that, but it, to me, if you say Jesus had to learn it and didn't already learn it, you throw him in the category with Muhammad. You throw him in the category with Buddha. You throw him in the category with, I mean, you name it, all the other religions out there in the world today. That, that The knowledge of Jesus is the God side of him. But the physical flesh, feelings, dying, uh, emotions, all of that, us is the man part of him. That's how I see that. That's why I don't like the idea of him not knowing and him having to learn. Okay. Uh, for the sake of time, since we've been on this subject for a long time, I'm not going to add any more to my argument. I've said what I want to say, but Tanner, I believe you have misrepresented yourself. So please clarify your thoughts. I've re- yeah, I, I made the statement. So I will agree on the aspect if if that is true if 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 Christ was born in the sense of the way that Buddha and certain people were born then yes then there was a a lock of a, that is unlocked of enlightenment and this is where a lot of new age stuff comes in too and this is not how Christ should be represented whatsoever. So I do agree on the aspect that it can get it on a slippery slope. And there's one thing that this is a discussion that only I think that it should only be discussed within, you know, people that are solidified in their faith. So this is the only, I think this is a place where we can do it. But the word that I said before that Jesus had to study, I'm saying that it's Christ's will because he loved the Father that the word had had no implications or no need in his vocabulary. Do you would you replace the had with a want? Jesus wanted yes, to. Yes, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll replace that that Jesus okay. wanted to. Yes. and it revealed further the will of the Father. Yes. I think I, I, that's okay. that's what I will replace. Will he wanted to so that he yes. could further his his will was the will of the Father, and so he wanted to know the will of the Father further. So it's all just a bad choice of words. Okay. <laughs> When I read verse 17, you know, with the will of the Father, that Christ was in complete 
in, in, in the complete will of the Father. And just like I made that statement before is that, you know, it's kind of like a marriage, you know, but yet the, the bride is kind of sleeping around with other gods and stuff like that of Israel is. And Christ is going through marriage counseling here. His will is for the marriage to succeed. That's God's will for that. But it seems like a lot of the people, a lot of the bride, want to quench the spirit, want to quench God's will. And, and then that's where, you know, in, in First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 18 and 19, it talks about, you know, quench not the spirit. And so Jesus was obviously not quenching the spirit. I mean, through birth. I think this is where that this, because he's sinless, he did not quench the spirit. And so the spirit was able to, you know, to be the, the perfect being as he was and is. So verse 22, it makes a statement. It says, and this is why Moses had given you circumcision, not that it comes from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. Uh, and so the religious Jews were so concerned about certain traditions that they break the law of the Sabbath so they could do this tradition. You know, it's like, well, which one's the greater sin? Is it circumcision or is it the Sabbath? God's really concerned about the Sabbath, but yet, you know, we got to circumcise, you know, little boy penis to, to, you know, that's priority over the Sabbath to the point where, you know, they took one sin was greater than the, than the other in aspect of circumcision versus the Sabbath. They were more concerned so that the Jewish traditionalists were more concerned about tradition than they were spending time with God on the Sabbath. And, but yet they get angry and then they're very hypocritical because Jesus heals a man, does something greater than circumcision, heals a man on the Sabbath. And they get mad at him because he does this great thing. And I see this, and I wrote it down on my notes, is that really Jesus points out the religious hypocrisy and hyper-inclusion of circumcision. Do you think that happens today in the church? I mean, that goes without saying, goodness. Give me an example. Uh, I'm oh, just curious. Uh, give, give me an example. Oh, boy. Just want to make sure I get this right. I don't want to misrepresent. Re- repeat the question. I want to make sure that, I'm, that I've got it So Jesus points out to the religious leaders their hypocrisy and hyper-inclusion by circumcision over worshiping with God. Does the church do this sometimes? Okay. One one answer. I wanted to make sure that this answer actually like went along with that question's specific wording. Uh, obviously, I won't name names, but I have heard it said by experienced church people, the the phrase, we'll wait until we get them in church and then we'll fix them. Mm-hmm. That mentality. Yeah. That is very much alive and well today, unfortunately. Yeah. I read an article, which I don't agree with a lot of the... Co- 99% of the Catholicism uh, doctrine and stuff like that. But I just read an article uh, on Premier Christian Magazine that there was a, a a priest that they found out that he wasn't baptized, as in the sense of the sprinkling. And so he, this, <laughs> this, this priest, all his marriages and divorces and the things that he's done under the church is now null and void because... He wasn't baptized, and it doesn't make him a Christian. And it's this whole article saying because he wasn't baptized, this makes all his ministry empty and meaningless. I'm thinking, what? And I know that you know baptism is very important, and I think it's important for a Christian walk in faith. But yet, you're elevating, you know, a, a public work. pronunciation, uh, you know, that a, a public work in the sense of like you're pronouncing that you are a Christian above actual ministry of people being saved or which this is the Catholic church, but I'm just using that as an example of like, uh, of like, you can't, you can't, you can't worship upon stage because you get a tattoo. 
You can't worship on stage because you got purple hair and, and, and a nose ring. I tell you what, I bet you some of these people that Jesus talked with, Zacchaeus and and um, the, the the prostitute, which we get in the next chapter, I bet you they had some no, nose rings if they lived in the modern time. You know, I Dude, mean, Jesus was punk rock. Yeah. So I mean, it, we 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 put all these type of traditions and things over actual uh, faithfulness of people. You know, I mean, and, and I think that that's, we can get that, they can get in the way a lot of times. Yeah. And I was, uh, I mean, honestly, I'm just a pretty big fan of whenever Jesus delivers some verbal smackdown, because uh, not only is he pointing out the, uh, the hypocrisy, as you pointed out, Tanner, but I also like the little bit of contrast. And this might be me reading too far into it, but he's comparing them breaking the Sabbath by performing a circumcision with him uh, making a man's body whole. Like I, I like the I like the contrast. Like you're literally taking away from a man's body on the Sabbath, and yet you think I'm the bad guy for making a man's body whole on the Sabbath. <laughs> like it's just it, <laughs> that is very that is I so that. incredibly I like opposite I there. I love it. Like he he literally did it as opposite ooh, as he ooh. possibly could. But what about this? Because the Jewish tradition was that circumcision made a man clean. Because circum being uncircumcised made them unclean. So what if Jesus was basically saying, you know, you may be making that dude clean, but you know, I made him completely whole. Oh yeah, it, it definitely goes multiple yeah. directions. That's it. It's almost like he planned this out. Right. <laughs> it's almost like he knew it from the womb. Yeah. So. Uh... <laughs> okay, we're going. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so continuing on here is that Jesus he further gives his identity that he is the Son of God, that he is God equal, and that he is the Messiah ready to redeem the world. And so, um, verse twenty-seven. Well, let's start in verse 25. Some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, isn't this the man they were trying to kill? Yet, look, he's speaking publicly, and they're saying nothing to him. Can it be true that this author- that authorities know he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from, and when the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. So here I want to make mention in verse 28. And I think, and this is where Jesus is saying, I am God the Father. That God the Father has sent me. And this is one thing with, you know, with Jehovah's Witness. They don't believe this. They believe that God created Christ, that Christ is Michael the Archangel. You know? So this is kind of weird. But this is where the distinction, a little difference comes in, is that Jesus is God. God is Jesus. You know, there is equality here. But verse 20 says, And he was teaching in the temple. Jesus cried out, You know me. And you know where I'm from, yet I have not come on my own, but the one who sent me is true. You don't know him. And so I looked up the word I am from, and we automatically think, okay, well, where is he from? He comes from heaven. You know, he comes from the Father. But the Greek word from is para, and this, another translation, another word is beside, and so equality with God the Father. And so there's an equal between God the Father and Christ. And he's saying, and this is what got Jesus in trouble. You can claim to be the Messiah all day long. There's people, I think there's a Jewish sect out there that in 1990, there was a, there was a, they claimed to be the Messiah and he ended up dying and they say he's still alive. And there's different Messiahs throughout the time that people say you know are the Messiah. You can make the claim that you're Messiah all day long to redeem the people of Israel. But once you've made the claim that you are God, incarnate that's what got jesus in trouble that's what got jesus killed was that jesus made the claims and said that he is god that he is the son of god so 
they tried to seize him and Christ said, nah, I'm getting out of here. You know, he, and it seems like, it seems like a lot of times that when, when, when people wanted to arrest him or get a hold of Christ, he just slips back and does a little magic trick like David Blaine or something like that and, <laughs> and sneaks in the back crowd. But in verse 34, I want to I want to talk about verse thirty four a little bit, and I don't want to make it. I don't want to make a. Before you get on verse thirty four, okay. yes. one uh, an observation that I wanted to make on verse twenty seven. Yeah. Um, where Jesus says, or no, Jesus says, isn't saying it to other people, saying, uh, "But we know where this man comes from, and when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from." This, what I get from that is, I mean, I mean, it's not like I get it from that. It's what this verse is saying. These people think that they know what the Messiah is is supposed to mm-hmm. is supposed to be, and this isn't in the same way that people have been mistaking G- Jesus so far, seeing him for a king that he wasn't striving to be. Like he's wanting to have that upside down kingdom. So this is a different kind of misunderstanding. They think that they're being rooted in Scripture, saying, "Oh, but the Scripture says that he's uh, that he's going to come in an unexpected fashion, that no one's going to see him coming." Well, we see you. We know where you came from, so it's scriptural fact that you can't be the Messiah, right? And then when Jesus replies, I, we're bringing back sassy Jesus. I get, I get a little bit of sarcasm in his response because the way he says it, you know me and you know where I come from. <laughs> like him responding like, yeah, you you definitely know it's me. Like, but you you duh. definitely because I mean they're claiming that he's from a place that he's not from. He was born in Bethlehem, not not Galilee. They're saying no, it, the, the Savior can't come from Galilee. It's supposed to be this guy from uh, David's seed. Supposed to be unexpected. They're supposed to they're, they're supposed to be all this going on, and you and you don't check all those boxes, Jesus. So I can say for a fact that you're not Jesus. Jesus I'm sorry, like, but he does. <laughs> like you, yeah, you you know me. You know where I'm from. All right, okay. So that that. The importance out of that that scripture is like that. Yeah. I mean, that's something that happens today. We we think that we know what all the boxes that have to be checked for things go. Because you hear every day people like, oh, I know, I know, Jesus is going to come back in my lifetime. You just know. It. You look at the signs around you. You see this this thing that, that you connect the dots in Revelation. You you know what's going to happen. No man knows the hour, but Daggum and I know the week. Like it. Well, okay. it's kind of okay. <laughs> Obviously, he can come at any second. Yeah. Not denying that for for a, a, a moment in time. No, not not denying that. But it happened back then. It happens today. Yeah. Every generation thinks they'll be the last. So on on to verse thirty four. Didn't mean to derail you. No, just no, 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 you're fine. That, I, that verse really just got me when I was reading through this. Uh, so verse thirty four. Well, no, I mean it goes along with that. Is in the sense of like I, I see Jesus when they said this, and Jesus is like. And your point, mm, yeah. yeah, it's just like and all because you know that I came from my mother's Mary and my father's Joseph, and I come from Bethlehem. Your point, you're you're proving that I am the Messiah here. Well, that's you the know? thing; they didn't know that he was born in Bethlehem because they're d- don't they stay? That, yeah, like, no. It says in verse and uh, in, in starting in verse forty, the conversation says, "You know, he came, he come from Bethlehem, uh, and all this stuff." It says uh, in verse forty. It says when some from the crowd heard the words, they said, "This truly is a prophet." Others, well, said, yeah, but that's this after. Is Messiah. Like they're having that misunderstanding beforehand because they were claiming that he was from Galilee. Did they not? Mm-hmm. In forty-one. Yeah, he came from house. Galilee, but yet he's born in Bethlehem because he he grew up in Galilee. Yeah, but yeah, he was born in Bethlehem, but yet they. But they're not aware of that. Is what I'm saying. Of Galilee or Bethlehem? Bethlehem. Because they're saying that didn't match up with uh, like the prophecies that he's not coming from the right place. They're claiming that he's coming from a place that he wasn't actually born in. Oh, and that, okay. That's okay. part of their misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah they were they were understanding him come from Galilee. Exactly. Yeah, they thought he was born in Galilee. Yeah. But then what does it say in verse forty two? Says doesn't the scripture say? Okay, yeah, I see it. I see okay. it. They don't I, know. I they want, don't. I want to make sure I was understanding yeah. this right. No, I totally agree because they think 
they understand the scriptures. They know that he's coming from Bethlehem, but yet they don't know that. Oh wait, exactly. He yeah. was born in Bethlehem. Yeah. So, uh, okay, I, I, I see that. Uh, Thought we we're gonna get to yell again. No, Dang no it. yelling, no yelling, <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Uh, but in verse thirty-four, it makes mention. It says that you will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. And I kind of, when he's saying this, back to the conversation of Galilee and you know Bethlehem, I can see that. Oh, I thought you were kind of looking at something, my bad. I was, wondering, I was trying to get a quiet repel. I can see that they're looking for the Messiah. They're looking for him, but yet they're looking for him in the wrong place. <laughs> they're looking for him in, 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 uh, in Bethlehem, but they're seeing him that he's, oh, you're from Galilee, Jesus. You're not, there's no way you can be the Messiah. So, I mean, I, I can see that, but yet what are some other implications that you think that Jesus is meaning here in verse 34? You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. So I, have, I have some thoughts, but what, what's what's your thoughts? What does verse even mean? My joke answer is he's referring to when he dies and goes and grabs the keys to hell. My serious answer. <laughs> That's my serious answer, bro. Wait, what? Yeah, no joke. <laughs> Hit me with it. Hit me with it. Here's what I'm saying. I think that Jesus is standing here. Is like I've come to do something that no man can do. I think he's saying where he says that. Uh, you will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. He says, the thing I'm about to do, the thing, the where I'm about to go, death, I'm about to defeat it. You can't do that. No man can do that. Are you, are you telling me right now that you subscribe to the keys to hell theory? Well, that's meta. That's metaphorical. Okay. In the right. sense, I'm not okay. saying. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, he doesn't. All no, right. I'm saying metaphorical. Yeah, no. I'm saying that. Whew. G- <laughs> no. Uh, I'm I'm saying that Christ defeated death. Okay, all right. In that yeah. sense, that he understood, quote unquote, he holds keys to hell, death, and the grave, and saying that I have the key that unlocks it. In, in that sense, right. metaphors everywhere, brothers. Okay, I, I was going like full satire, like he, oh. he goes to hell and and oh, fist fights yeah. Satan to get the like that that whole thing. It just yeah, that, no, that I, that's why I said joke because I do I do agree with what you said there. Okay, that's what I, I got out of it. I take it similar to that, but I take it more in an aspect of heaven. If you read the verses before, or, or just the verse before, he says, "I shall be here, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I will go to him who sent me." And so I take that as, you know, he has died and has rose again. So Jesus is alive, mm-hmm. just just to make that clear for everybody else. He is alive, but then what does he do? He ascends into heaven. I don't think anybody since Jesus has ascended into heaven. So, I mean, he's just saying, like, you're going to look for me because you're going to hear that I'm, I have defeated death and I'm out of the grave, but you're not going to find me. Yeah. Because like, I'm not here. Yeah, because yeah, my, my serious answer that I was going to give is that, like, he's literally going to, like, another world. Like, they don't have access to it. Uh, that referring, um, I mean, it could refer to his death, but also to his ascension. I think, because, it's, I think, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's, I think it goes hand in hand. I mean, I, I, yeah. I agree. it's because of the death, like but if it means one, the ascension the is where they can't go because, I mean, once they die, exactly. I mean, you're not going to come back to life and ascend into heaven. I mean, yeah. you're just. Which that goes along dead. with what you said, Mason, because like he's he's alive, yeah, but he is not in the alive. sense that they can go find him, yeah, physically. But it's, it's just like everything else, because the second the verse after that, they're just confused. Like, where's he intend to go? Where we can't find him? So they're thinking of a physical sense of like, so is he going to Egypt? I mean, uh, I guess we'll follow him. We can follow you there. We know where that's at. But mm-hmm. where are you going to go? We're going to find you. You know. So I, I'm, I, I agree. I think we we're both right. I think there's double application there. Oh, in yeah. Sense. Yeah. Because I mean, like like I said, it, it goes hand in hand. Yeah. So and uh, it continues on in verse 37. 
through 39, he makes a promise for the Spirit. And I think, why do you think this is kind of an interjection here that he makes a promise for the Spirit? Because he says that on the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit. Those who believe in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified or ascended to the Father. So this kind of, why do you think John placed this there? Which obviously it's a it's a it's a salvation message that Jesus is giving is that I have the living water, but yet the the, the correlation of the spirit. For me, this is how I take it, just because of context of time. If you were to mention Holy Spirit, they're going to be like, "What are you talking about, Jesus?" And so, I mean, no one knew about that until is it the day of Pentecost? Yeah, I get I get uh, the, they, they get the term of days mixed up. Yeah. But the the day that Jesus rose into heaven. Okay, so the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down, well, that was ascension. I, I, I don't know the time frame, but it was shortly so, after. But like sorry. I said, I get my days mixed up. But you get what I'm trying to say. The, the Holy Spirit has come down. John didn't know this at the time, and for anybody that's going to be reading this, you know, especially closer to this time and Jesus's time, after Jesus died, a few hundred years, few years, whatever it may be, isn't going to understand it, especially if they're reading it like how we're presenting it right now, just in order. So I think this is, of course, the older John, kind of just interjecting something right here. But he spoke concerning the spirit because he finally understood. You're right because he does it because he does make a statement of what Jesus said and he explains mm-hmm. a little bit further of like okay this is the Pentecost he's talking about the spirit here. Yes, yeah. I think this is just the wisdom of an older John yes. finally understanding what he meant at this time and just kind of sliding in that little side yeah. note so explaining what Jesus was trying to get at. Well, and I think the he, he's he's I think it's the only the spirit the Holy Spirit that can that can reveal this. To him, just like oh, the yes. disciples didn't understand a lot of things that Jesus said, because guess what? They didn't have the Spirit of God to, mm-hmm. to reveal that knowledge to him. Guess what? Christ is God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit all tied into one. And so he knew the will of the Father and he knew the Spirit. And so it's just like, it sounds like Jesus is presenting something to them, even though they will more likely not understand it. But. Mm-hmm. Chapter where it says that they said that he was a, he had a demon in him. Um, it was uh, actually I think it's later. Where does it say that? Because I read that somewhere. Because Nicodemus comes in the picture too, by the way. Yeah, very end. Yes, uh, twenty. Twenty. When and this is after Jesus has said, uh, "Did Moses not give you the law? Yet none of you keep the law. Why do you seek to kill me?" And then the people answered and said, "You have a demon who is seeking to kill you. Like, are you crazy? Who's trying to kill you right yeah. now?" But. Jesus knows. I can kind of see that. It's like that's interesting Wait, because because a lot of demon possessed people are saying like, oh, or they're out, not, to, they're they're out to kill me. Yeah, are we getting ahead of ourselves here? Um, uh, well, like we like we haven't hit that yet, have we? No, but it was yeah, we skipped over it. Yeah, that's verse twenty. We're at verse forty. Wait, what? Yeah, go back to verse twenty. This was right before the oh, circumcision shoot. on the Sabbath. We're saying that, well, okay. who do they say Jesus is? And, uh, and I can see, to be honest, to be honest, 
I can see where the where they're coming come from. from because yeah. who like At some this time. guy that says they're seeking to kill me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and I can see his brothers being like, "Dude, you're just paranoid. Like, you're not coming to the festival." Like right off the gate, you don't want to have fun with us with your brothers, because your time has not come. Because you're about to die, the city's going to kill you. You're just paranoid, dude. Mm-hmm. I can see where it's coming. I can see where yeah, they're coming. Like from. we said, you know, people who are and I throw air quotes up, demon possessed or whatever. Anything associated with demons, people's like, oh, they're trying to kill me, or oh, people's trying to kill me. Yeah. And this is just, you know, Jesus, I mean, knowing that they're going to try to kill him eventually. But at the time, they're not actively seeking to kill him. They're just following him around trying to prove him wrong or not all these other things so yeah i could i mean i'm with you i'm tenor for once <laughs> that, oh, come on no come on. no i know uh but for them to say you know you have a demon who's trying to kill you is logical in the human sense so it's reasonable because i mean I, currently nobody is trying to kill him yeah well yes but yet they don't know that yeah that's, that's why i said currently yeah currently is it soon to happen sure but I mean, well, I think it's under curtain. Doesn't it say that you know they? Well, I mean, literally, the first verse establishes that Jesus is kind of going low key because oh, there oh are yeah, because of Jesus. Okay, yeah, yeah. never mind. But, but the thing is, though, I mean, the people didn't know that. Yeah. So that's why they asked. I mean, the Jews yeah. were, but yeah, no, the people. Yeah. So I mean that, and, and this is one thing like I'm going to point out in verse 40, unless Matthew's got something to interject. Okay, well, verse 40, it, it goes down this list, you know, well, when some of the crowd heard these things, you know, they said, well, truly, this is the prophet, and this is the Messiah, and, well, surely the Messiah doesn't come from Galilee, does he? And they start discussing, they bickering over, you know, is Jesus the Messiah? Is he not the Messiah? Who is this? How does the Messiah come? And all these things. And the people are so divided on Christ, and they they know the scriptures, and they see these things, but how reminiscent is that today? Do you think that people... Are, are bickering over Christ and bickering over who Jesus is. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's stated pretty plainly in Scripture as well. I mean, for instance, in uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, uh, Jesus himself says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And I mean, goodness, just even early on in this uh, scripture that we're reading now, in verse 12 of John chapter 7, you had people um, disagreeing with each other on him, saying, uh, and there was much muttering about him among the people, while some said, he is a good man. Others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Like, you can't be neutral on Jesus. Like, he's out here doing a bunch of radical stuff that, um, as far as people were concerned at the time, was heretical. I mean, let's just mm-hmm. be honest here. I mean, he's having public disagreements with the, the Jewish leadership. I mean, that's about as heretical as you can get, given the time. Uh, when it comes to following Jesus, like, you can't do it in a half measure. And there are some people throughout Scripture that try to, and Jesus shuts them down. He's like, listen, you you have to pick up your cross or you stay home. Like, oh, you, you want to say goodbye to your parents? Guess what? That's that's not how this stuff works. Oh, you think following me is easy? You won't have a place to rest your head. Like, Jesus is very upfront with, with that fact. Like, it's not going to be easy. I'm trying to make it simpler to follow me, but simple does not equal easy. Yeah. 
So that, I mean, yeah, that division, it existed then in that scripture and it definitely exists now because I mean, everyone wants their Jesus to be just that, their Jesus. They want their own little custom Jesus that allows for these certain um, biases within their mind, these certain uh, hateful thoughts, these certain prejudices, these certain like sins that they just can't let go of. And like, oh, well, you know what? I, I, I bet Jesus would be okay with me making these mistakes. No, you, that, that's not how this works. Jesus is a divisive figure, not only uh, from brother against brother, but self against self. Yeah. Well, I think in the last episode, uh, I made a comment that, you know, the gospel is naturally offensive. You know, it should bring conviction uh, upon you. And conviction shouldn't be a scary word to us whatsoever. It's a, it's, um, it's mentioned there somewhere, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. I mean, it's supposed to prick and and stab the the yeah. coldest and hardest of hearts pierces uh, the dividing sunder pierces pierces the dividing sunder of to the, the soul marrow. even to the marrow of the bone the deepest part of your body you know the, the marrow of your bones and i think it's the contrast too in verse 45 and 46 the 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 you know i guess my my version i says police you know the the servants came to the chief priest and, and the Pharisees, and they and they asked, you know, the Pharisees, the guys that were trying to kill Jesus, like, why didn't you bring him? Where's he at? Where's Jesus? We want to get rid of him. He says he's the son of God. He is God. We need to get rid of him. And it says, they said, well, we kind of like what he says. He says, well, no one man's ever talked like this before. We kind of we like it. And so even the people that are seeking to destroy Jesus because it puts a um, danger it puts a threat upon their control over the people with their religious uh, traditions and their religious things. That now there's a man that says, you know, they can save people right out of the gate. We're gonna be jobless now as priest. You know, I can't go. Into the, I can't go in the temple no more. But here, even the man himself from John chapter three, Nicodemus, sticks up for Christ, even though he's still in the midst. He's like, well, let's just give him a fighting chance. Let's just listen to what he's got to say. And in the back of his mind, I'm thinking, I better not say. Well, I have already. <laughs> yeah, I, I got real pumped when I saw him show up in scripture because I, I, I completely, I did not know that he showed up again. Like it wasn't something that yeah. was. Uh, in memory of reading scripture uh, as a child. So like when he showed up again in verse 50, I was like, oh, my boy, Nick, Nick he's back. He's he back. Did. He's back. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't mean to steamroll it there. Can, no, uh, no, you're uh, fine. I was just saying that Nicodemus, I mean, he, it's just an interesting character that I don't know if he's like a double agent. <laughs> he's like a spy. <laughs> it seems that he's done some, some learning since we last saw yeah. him. I mean, cause the thing is he's, He's not like outright defying the Pharisees in what he says. I mean, he says in verse 51, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? Like that, he's taking the law, like the established law. He's not being like a radical like Jesus, but he's saying, listen, that we, we have a system for this. We can't let our, our pride or our emotions get in the way. Like, the law says there is a way to do this, and we need to follow that because we are, we are the Jewish authority. I mean, he's he's calling upon them to to leave their their corruptness aside, leave their biases, leave their um, their their prejudice, their their pride issues, this desire to hold on to power. He's like, listen, we we need to uphold the law, and the law has a process. For well, us. guess what? It's getting in the way of it's getting in the way of the truth because. Nicodemus is one that lived by the law, yeah. but yet he wanted to know the truth. And yeah. so he removed his bias. I was like, I need to talk to this guy, even though it was in private. 
He wanted to learn from this guy. And these other Pharisees that wanted to kill him, that they asked the the, the, the police of the of the temple, it was like, where is he at? They're allowing their pride and their anger and their jealousy and their control and power to get in the way of Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. And so they don't see him as the Messiah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the next verse, he also says... <laughs> Are you not also from Galilee? Yeah, I love that. Search and look. There is not one prophet who has arisen out of Galilee. And this is the just the icing on the cake. They still think, you know, he's some guy that's just come out of Galilee. And when, I mean, they're missing the entire point. Yeah. It almost seems like uh, an attempt at... Um, get them maliceful down? sarcasm coming from them. Be like, oh, are you are you going to tell us you're from Galilee too? Are you like this other <laughs> yeah. Jesus dude? <laughs> yeah. Dude, we've already established that like that's not the Messiah. You think you're special? No. Get out of here, Nicodemus. Let's do our thing. Come on. But I love Nicodemus. He's my oh, man. Oh, I, I, I love, love him to him. death. It's just that, uh, I mean, obviously it's unfortunate because, I mean, that coming out of their mouth is just, um, it speaks to the vileness and the, the lack of desire for truth that they have. But, I mean, that's just... You couldn't write that for a stand-up show. That that's that is straight-up comedy. <laughs> Are you also from Galilee? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess to conclude the chapter, it, it, uh, I will read the very first verse of uh, chapter eight. It says, "Then each one went to his house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives." So it sounds like no one could come to a conclusion there. Uh, it seemed like you know people just, all right, we're done. We'll we'll split ways. So I mean, it kind of ends with Jesus going to the Mount of Olives. Yeah. So next week we will we'll be taking a trip there with Jesus in, in John chapter eight. So uh, until then, it's been it's been very fun yelling oh at each other. This, oh my. This, it has been a day. This was this was top tier. Hopefully fruitful. This. Hopefully it's been a fruitful conversation to the to you listeners. It's been I don't want to say one hundred percent juicy fruit that is uh, very tasteful. <laughs> for us, but <laughs> it was bitter at moments, but we got through bitter, it. Yeah, we get, we, we get grew from it. That's where we went off air. The, the fist fight happens <laughs> off screen. Just, just to let you listeners know that I'm not a heretic, even though that Mason and Matthew think that I am. That's all right. <laughs> all right. Well, you can find our socials and our email address if you want to shoot us a question. All in the show notes. It's all there. We're. I feel like we're, we might actually get a couple questions out of this. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we're we're going to continue uh, being lazy since all that is right there in the show notes. So that's where it can be found. Uh, you can, I mean, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the email. I think that's everything. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So until then, Tanner, give us the magic words. Peace out. Here. God, that was a good one. That was a rough one. That was a good one. That was a good one. It was good. It was great for me, Matt. <laughs>